You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube, and please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts across the big Blue View Radio Network. All right, with the Giants facing the Washington Commanders on Sunday, I'm joined today by old friend and longtime DC area sports writer Rick Snyder to uh, talk about the Commanders. Rick, thank you uh, for 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 your time as always. Well, it's a big week, you know, so it, it depends on who you ask. But a lot of times I, I did a poll recently on my uh, website. Who's the commander's big rival? And, you know, the, the de facto is always Cowboys, but only 59 percent said the Cowboys this time. And uh, the, had the Giants, but they had healthy ones, too. I mean, it's a division. You hate everybody. But it used to, you know, 10 years ago, it would have been 90 percent said Dallas. Uh, but that rivalry is kind of gone. And the Giants rivalry, which is the oldest one, is kind of coming back into to, uh, fruition again. Maybe because the two teams are about equal. So, you know, you can maybe win one of them. I, I was going to say, can you really have a rivalry when what you're fighting for year after year is to stay out of last place? Well, win's a win. You know, I mean, <laughs> uh, and in Washington, the weird part now is since 9-11, there's been a big impact of New Yorkers down into the Washington area to in the city itself, one out of, uh, you know, one out of 20 people is from New York. Mm-hmm. So they're still Giants fans. They come to the games. I, I know Washington sells tickets now because we have a new owner and everybody hates, you know, Dan Snyder's gone. So people are feeling free to buy tickets again. But like the Philly games and stuff like that, the Buffalo, they all bought tickets before. And so I expect this year to still be a big Giants crowd when it comes down here. But uh, we have lots of Giants fans in Washington. Yeah, I did want to ask you about the the new ownership of, of the Commanders. It seems like it feels like Washington fans feel better about this team. It seems like there are more people going to games. It seems like there's just a more upbeat attitude or upbeat mindset about this franchise at this point and you know that's that's kind of a view from afar but but does that does that seem accurate to you oh yeah there's been a big exhale i mean nobody ever thought dan snyder sell and what the the short chronology is all the scandals involving the women got the house of representatives involved which then got the sponsors involved and the fans boycotting tickets, and the money just became so bad that other NFL owners were upset. And then when all the local municipalities said, we're not helping you with a stadium, you know, visiting owners get 40% of the game take, and they're like, you're killing us all money, you've got to go. And that's what really led to Dan Snyder finally leaving, 
Hey, sold for huge money. It has yachts off Hong Kong today. Somebody did the yacht tracker. Um, so he's out there. <laughs> he moved to London. He left town. We've, we've never had a Redskins commander's owner sell alive. The team has been sold twice before the owners had died. So I, I didn't I, you didn't have to sell and leave, but that's fine, too. So uh, people who said, I'll never give Dan Snyder another dollar, and there were many of them. I mean, really, I think their season ticket list was down to maybe 10,000, maybe 15. I'd say now it's over 30 at least. Um, and people are buying gear now. They don't love the new name, but they're buying Commander's gear. And so there's a, an upbeat. Now, they lost three straight games and everybody's back in hell again. But, um, you know, the honeymoon kind of was shorter. Mm-hmm. But like the new owner, he seems like a decent guy so far. And uh, there's hope that maybe now the curse is gone and they could be decent one day. Yeah, they seem to be decent, you know, at this point right now, three and three off to a better start than the one and five Giants. So, you know, so things are looking up in Washington a little bit. And I have to ask you um, about the commander's quarterback about Sam Howell. I think we talked about Howell in the offseason about whether he would be the answer you know, for Washington and, and he's, he's played pretty well so far. Just talk about impressions of, of Sam Howell and whether you think he can, uh, he can hold this job beyond this year. Well, after this year, it depends on who the coach is. If for some reason Ron Rivera returns or Eric the enemy becomes the head coach, I think Howell will stay. If you've got a new coach coming in, they're going to want their own quarterback. And I don't know that Sam can, but but Sam's on board to throw for maybe 4,000 yards. Um, you know, he's got about a two-to-one touchdown to interception rate. The only thing he's having trouble with is taking bad sacks. Uh, and part of that is he's got a lousy line. And part of it is he does turn in the sacks here and there. Now, people were upset with me the other day when I gave him a good grade. And they said, but he had two sacks he ran into. I said, and he threw three touchdowns. What are you whining about? You know, he's seeing things better. He's getting rid of the ball a little quicker. He's, he's only had seven starts. So he's growing. I see improvement. Got a decent arm. Uh, relies a little bit too much on his primary targets, but that's a young quarterback for you. So if he can just get a little better pocket presence, I, I think he is, you know, when we rank quarterbacks 10 to 15 on a good day. That was uh, that was his reputation, you know, sort of taking some unnecessary sacks or running his way into some sacks, you know, when he was at North Carolina. But for for Washington fans who are are looking at Sam Howell and judging Sam Howell, let me let me remind you guys that uh, the Giants have thrown two touchdown passes all season. Wow! So yeah, Daniel Jones has two. Tyrod Taylor has none. I thought Danny Dimes was made the break last year and was going to be a great quarterback, and you signed him and all that money. What happened now? Uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's it it's interesting because I think that y- you know as well as I do that that when a quarterback gets hit over and over and over and over and is pressured over and over and you look at the pressure rates and Jones has been under much more pressure even than Sam Howell, even though Howell basically has the same number of sacks. You know, they talk about quarterbacks, internal clocks. And I think Jones's internal clock is all screwed up. I think he's, 
He's throwing the ball sometimes too quickly. He's not reading the field. He's bailing out of the pocket sometimes before he has to because he's not trusting what's in front of him. And, and, and the other reality with Daniel Jones is the Giants didn't give him that money because they said, we know you're a great quarterback. We know you're the answer. They gave him that contract, which is really a two-year deal because it's two years of guaranteed money. They gave him that contract because they thought he showed them enough that they thought maybe there was more. They thought maybe that, you know, maybe in a second year or third year that that there with better weapons that there would be more. And and so far it just hasn't worked out that way, especially since their offensive line is basically non existent. Most dangerous player out there is a guy on a free agent pending deal who plays his heart out and gets that big money, and then goes back to being what he was. And uh, and that's Chase Young, if we move to that segment. Chase Young and Montez Sweat, the defensive ends, are both uh, are, you know unrestricted free agents next year. Um, they're making about $11 million this year. Their projections are it would be, oh, 15 or more next year. But they re-signed their interior defensive linemen, Payne and Allen, to deals that will both pay about $25 million next year each. They can't afford to put $100 million on that line that has underperformed. But Chase, Chase runs toward the quarterback. Watch Chase. Well, watch Chase when the ball's somewhere else. He runs to the quarterback because he wants those big sack numbers. But then the play goes somewhere else, and he's just standing there or just kind of walking. He ain't running. That scares me to death. And I think he's. a lot of people are now noticing this. And Chase was the number two pick in the draft. But frankly, I think they won't re-sign him. Uh, because he can't afford it, and he's not worth it, and he's not playing a total game right now. He's playing for a contract. So he's basically just playing for the sacks, and he's not doing the other things that that, that much, he needs to do. Pretty much, because I saw Chase's rookie year when he could run across the line and do things like he caught Joe Burrow once on the one-yard line when it was first and goal with the one and made an unbelievable Superman move across that line and nailed Burrow. I'm not seeing him even jog toward the ball when it goes somewhere else now. You've got to do that because you never know if the ball's coming back to you. You know, and so you're that's like Albert Hainsworth, you gotta get off the ground and finish the play. <laughs> and that, it's, it's too bad. I mean, Chase is in shape. You know, I physically I think he's fine, but he's never been a guy to come to voluntary workouts. He's never been to one of them in these years. He only comes to minicamp, just where he talks about getting paid. It's a shame because he has the talent to be a great player, but I don't see the desire. All right, Rick, I wanted to talk about uh, Eric Bieniemy. You mentioned it a little bit, uh, Bieniemy, you know, being the offensive coordinator, Ron Rivera, the head coach. What are your thoughts on Bieniemy so far? And, and I am very curious for your thoughts on whether Bieniemy is kind of coaching his way into taking Ron Rivera's job. Everything fans talk about every day is fire Ron now and give the enemy the job. Okay, there's a couple thoughts to that. One, being an interim head coach is not a good deal. And coaches protect their win-loss records above all else. How many times have you seen a guy win a last game of the season, ruin this draft pick, but he's gone, so he doesn't care. They want those wins. They, they treat win-loss records like 
gold. And you don't want to be an interim coach and, and come in for a 3-10 and 10 ride to the end of the season because if they fire everybody, the next guy interviewing you is going, so you were head coach and you went 3-10. and 10. Scares the hell out of them. So I don't even know if you'd want to take it. I have seen coaches turn down interim jobs for that reason. I think as far as his game plans have been going, the first uh, six games, there's been two of them I really didn't like. One of them, they threw 55 straight plays. 55 straight plays, you know, wow. against. Oh my God, you didn't run once after midway in the second quarter. What was that? I mean, I know they were down, but 55 straight plays. Um, you know, he's had a couple times where I'm like, uh, but he's also shown some things. I think he has to grow into the job. And that's why I don't know that he's ready to be a head coach. I like Eric a lot. Very, you know, for all the people that talk about him is sometimes his language is a little too blue, but, but he's your, he's your best advocate for a player. You should want to play for a guy like Eric, uh, because he'll push you to be the best you can be. Uh, I just think he needs a little more seasoning too, but I think he could be a good head coach. Not this year. and, not, and <laughs> I don't know that they hire him to replace it because that's what, to me, when Josh Harris makes a move, you clean out the whole place. you got to hire a general manager first. Then you hire you have him hire your coach. Because what does Josh Harris know about football coaches? You know, he knows hockey and basketball, whatever. But, but you know, he needs to let that guy do it. And maybe that guy picks Eric. Maybe he doesn't. But you got to let him do it. And then that guy picks your quarterback. You know, if you do it out of any other order, it just bites you in the butt. So, um, well, there's so much to be decided with this team for next year, but nobody wants to be wait, willing to wait to finish this year first. Absolutely. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Rick, I want to talk about uh, about something that we were discussing a little bit before before we, we went on the air. And, you know, the Giants are coming off of a game where fans are irate about the final play of the game. They're irate about the lack of a, of a penalty call in the end zone on Darren, you know, when Darren Waller was held on the final play. And yes, he was held. I've admitted he was held, but, but at, at Big Blue View, I've tried not to make a big fuss out of it because you get those calls sometimes. You don't get those calls other times. You know, sometimes they benefit you. Sometimes they don't. But in, in NFL history, it's probably happened thousands of times where, you know, guys swallow the whistle at the end of a game and and they don't make a call because they don't want to make a call or maybe they don't see it or they're just human beings or whatever. But you reminded me about 
something that happened last year in a in a Giants Washington game and I just uh I just wanted you to to remind our listeners of of that as well. Well, in the, the second meeting of the season, which was late in the season, you know, that was a pretty good back and forth game and the game basically ended on a on a ref not calling a pass interference uh penalty against the Giants when our guy got mugged in the uh, you know, end zone. And so the Giants won the game and the Giants that game led the Giants to get into the playoffs over Washington. Washington gets a letter after sending the play up to the league a few days later and says, yeah, yeah, it should have been a penalty. And, uh, you know, you guys should have won and you should have made the playoffs. But, um, yeah, the way it goes. <laughs> you know, the only reason more of it wasn't made of it is, you know, it's just gone after that. But, yeah, I mean, Washington got screwed out of a playoff berth on a bad call. Uh, now, I don't think that's a fu- – I don't think anybody's talking about it in the locker room this year. Um you know, they got enough things to worry about, but you know, it does happen. So, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. That's just, that's just the nature of the beast. And, uh, you know, and it is what it is. And just, I just kind of wanted to put that out there for, for giants fans who just can't get past the way that the game ended against the bills on Sunday night. I mean, there's so many games that come down to the, the end. I mean, that's what makes the NFL great. And you're just like, Oh, you know, it's just, you, you can't ever turn the TV off. You know, like Washington was down, down some. I mean, I they played against Buffalo and got crushed at home. And I rated that the third worst first half ever at FedEx Field in 25 years. But I looked back at the other two. One, I remember the team was, um, Arizona was winning uh, 31 nothing, And the game ended up being 45-42 Arizona. So, you know, it's just. You can't turn off the NFL. That's what that's what makes the ratings so great. Absolutely. Hey, want to talk about uh, a couple of players, in, and in particular, I wanted to start with Emmanuel Forbes. He's a guy that I think you and I talked about in the off season. He's a guy that we talked about a lot at Big Blue View as a potential giant. Washington took him off the board before the Giants pick, and I've noticed that that. He seems to be not playing as much the last couple of weeks as he did early on. Is he is he failing? Does he just need a timeout? Um, are there issues with him? Um, what's what's going on with Forbes? Well, Forbes was pulled uh, about two games ago because he was just getting rolled, and then they benched him last week. Danny Johnson played instead and played well, and uh, Forbes didn't play at all. And they said, oh, it's a reset time. I thought, wait a minute, coach. You said that when Sam Howe really stunk against Buffalo and threw four picks, you didn't pull him because young players have to fight through tough games. Why isn't Emmanuel Forbes getting to fight through the tough game? Because there are two rules about quarterbacks and everybody else, basically. But Forbes Forbes has one glaring problem. And I saw this the moment he was drafted. I said, he weighs 166 pounds. 166 pounds? And I think the roster said he was 171 when he got into camp, but they lose weight during the season too. So the guy's got no lower body, nothing. And I said, bigger receivers are just going to brutalize this guy. And E.B. Brown, who's a really good receiver, just took him apart, you know, in the meeting there. And I think they've, you know, he's having that kind of problem. He's got to bulk up more. He's got the speed overall. He's a smart kid. He's got ball hawking kind of abilities, but 
he needs, you know, the NFL, I always tell people, I don't care if you're a first-round pick, the ball boy, one of the writers, first year in the NFL is just trying not to look stupid. Well, he got caught looking stupid. And, you know, the coaches, you know, they hate to admit this because that's their first-round pick, and it was a controversial pick. They should have gone maybe elsewhere. So I, I don't know. The other thing with him is, and Washington has made this mistake before, he's a zone corner in college. He was a zone guy. They're trying to make him a man guy. It's not working. You know, and so in a way you want to say it's not his fault. It's not what he does. You know, uh, they had, they've had people before like this, William Jackson. And, and so it's, that's one of the coaches, in my opinion. If you're not playing the guy in the right way, but so many college, uh, so many pro coaches will say, I can make him fit my scheme. And it blows up in their face and they wonder why. Because he doesn't fit your scheme. You know, he's a square peg in a round hole. Whose fault is that? It's the fault of the guy who picked him. So I, I, he's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what he does the rest of the season. I think he'll play against the Giants, but is he going to play all the time? I'm not sure. That's why I love the pick uh, by the Giants of, of Tay Banks, the cornerback from Maryland, because he is a an aggressive man corner who fits what Wink Martindale likes to do. He fits the way the Giants want to play defense, and he's played pretty well so far. I don't know if you've uh, I I don't know if you've followed Banks at all, but but he's doing a nice job for the Giants at this point. Well, you know, Maryland players are the grass and. Greatest since we're both Terps <laughs> graduates. Of, of, of course they are. I, I forgot to wear my Maryland hat today. By the way, I should have. Yeah. I should have. Should have busted that out. But uh, but yes, we're both Maryland grads. Many 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 moons ago, as you can tell by looking at the tops of our heads. If you're watching us on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what has it been? Forty. 40 years. Yeah. 41. Yeah. Yeah. 40, 40, 41 years or thereabouts. Long time. You know, at 50 years, you get to be a golden turp and walk into graduation in the spring and you wear the gold gown and robes and everything. And I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Good for you. I don't I don't think it means enough to me to uh, to make the trip, but but it might be fun. All right, well, if I make it to 72, I'm celebrating. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, the other player that I need to ask you about is a guy that was a popular giant, guy that the commander signed to be their center. And I'll be honest, I thought the contract that Washington gave Nick Gates was over the top, kind of ridiculous. I think they gave him three years, $16 million. I think it was something like $8 million guaranteed. Giants fans are up in arms about, well, Gates is better than some of the backups that we have now. And I said, yeah, but I say, yeah, the Giants weren't going to give him any more than a, than a one-year, something close to a veteran minimum deal. And, and of course, he's going to take that money from Washington. Of course, he's going to take the opportunity to start. So I'm just curious you know, what you think of, of Nick Gates to, to this point in the year. It's been very positive, and his teammates really love this guy. Uh, he's making good line blocking calls at the, you know, at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's been tough. He's been a leader. He's really been everything you would hope for and a little bit more. Now, he's not going to the Pro Bowl, but uh, he's a tough guy, and that's what you need on your line in the middle of the balance, working with a young quarterback. Uh, I think Gates has been a very positive signing for them. He's a good player, and those all sound like the kinds of characteristics that made him so popular with Giants fans. He's the guy 
He's the guy who will get in an opponent's face. He's the guy that will that will defend his quarterback. He's the guy that will that will jump into the fray when somebody hits Sam Howell too hard or or too late. And and he's a guy that he gives you everything that he has. I just wasn't sure how much he had, you know, after that devastating injury that he had a couple of years back. Yeah, there's been a couple of sideline skirmishes when people hit uh, Hal on the side. He's been right there in their face, ready to go to war. Uh, you know, the, the dude, I don't know if you noticed it, but you know, like he comes out in the pregame warm-up, warm-ups without a shirt on, and he's got a ton of tattoos on <laughs> It's like, wow, look at all that, you know. It's, it, but I like the guy. I mean, he's a guy yeah. that you're going to war with, and uh, he may not be your star player, but you need people like him. Absolutely, and I'm the Giants. The Giants could use him, but I absolutely understand that that Washington paid him far more money than, than the Giants were ever going to pay him because he probably would have been a, a backup guard center for them this year. But you, you got to take the money because you don't know how long your career is going to be. I mean, he's already been hurt once. You know, it's only one play away. So grab the money while you can. For sure. Rick, I want to uh I want to close out the show by basically kind of making a prediction, you know, look at how we how we think Sunday's game's going to go, but I need to uh, before we do that, uh I need to mention that uh that the the picks portion of the podcast is sponsored by SB Nation partner DraftKings. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER visit 1 1- 800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling by calling 888-789-7777 or visiting ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, Rick. Commanders are a two-point favorite at MetLife Stadium on Sunday. We know, you know, this is this is a game that that the Giants, you know, one in five, the Giants really need to win this game. I, I would think that Washington, you know, that these teams are always fairly evenly matched. I think I would think Washington feels pretty good about this one coming in to to Sunday. How do you see this one unfolding? Uh, what do you think the keys to this one are going to be? Well, it's not a gambling problem if you win. I got a ten thousand <laughs> pick here for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's good. Washington's going to win, and I think by more than a touchdown. I just have a feeling this game they're going to be okay. And not going to be okay a lot of weeks, but this one I think they are the matchups. Why? One thing that's really interesting with Washington, if if they lose, the, if they win the toss, they always do this crappy. I will tell you, we'll give the ball to them first. But they've lost the toss a couple of times recently, uh, and they went out and they scored a touchdown on Philly the first drive, and then they went out last week. Atlanta got a field goal. I was like, take the ball first. Go down the field and score. Set the pace because if your defense stinks in the first half, you're not playing from behind for once. Play in the front. It seems like it's a logical thing to do, but whatever. They they their offense is fine mostly. I mean, the defense helped them out. Jamison Crowder, you remember him? Uh, you know, gave, gave him a 61 yard touchdown. Oh no, I'm sorry, 61 yard punt return. 
didn't make a touchdown. They caught him. I was like, you, they wouldn't have caught him years ago. That surprised me. Caught him on the 11. Uh, but they're playing, you know, their special teams are good. Their defense seems to have gotten their attention again. And they were just stunk in the first half of games. So with that, I think they're back in tune. I think they, they jump the Giants. Maybe something like 24-13. It's interesting. It's out. Giants fans always look at this this Commanders game as, oh, Commanders, Washington, we're going to win that game. And I look at the Giants and, and I'm like, you know, you, you haven't scored a touchdown on offense in about a thousand years. I think it's, you know, week three was the last first half of a game in week three was the last time they scored a touchdown. Tyrod Taylor's at quarterback. The offensive line is still a mess, and some people are happy Taylor's at quarterback instead of Daniel Jones. Saquon Barkley is back in the lineup, still not 100% healthy. Giants' defense has been playing well, but and I know there's a, a big chunk of the of the Giants fan base that's sort of you know putting this one in the win column already, but I think I'm going to make my listeners and my readers at Big Blue View mad because I'm at the point with the Giants where I need to see them play functional, competent offense before I can start picking them to win games. I think they have a good chance to win this game, but I'm going to pick the Commanders to win this one as well. I just I just feel like, like the Commanders are on an upswing. The Giants are struggling to find their footing and, and, and haven't figured it out yet. And uh, and I think this one this one could end badly for the Giants. Well, I, I made everybody mad last week, so I picked it like Marston. <laughs> Marston beat them. So, yeah, beat writers are always the worst ones to try and pick games because you see your team too much and it's hard to judge it. Well, the uh, the, the the other thing the other thing too is Rick, you you, you don't want to be a homer. Yeah. You don't want to be a homer. You want to you want to pick and you want to analyze exactly what you see, but you know as well as I do that that, that when you when you say something negative or you don't pick the team you're covering to win, everybody gets mad at you. Yeah, there used to be a TV guy here who would break down offense, defense, put check. And he had something called Skins Tangibles, and he would always pick the Skins on that category. And we, you know, I think he picked them to go sixteen and zero every year. Uh, <laughs> so if you want to be credible, you have to just say this is how I think it'll go. And of course, I was wrong last week. And but, uh, but you know, I'm using you know, who it is. You know, you know it's, it's, you're making. You know what? You're making these picks just for discussion purposes anyway. Nobody cares. You know, and and if anybody's if anybody's betting money based on based on what you say on you know based on your pick on YouTube, then that's on them, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. I used to be a horse racing rider for five years, picked the track every day, and uh, you know that'll teach you something. You're lucky if you can win fifteen percent of the races if you're picking in the paper every day, the tracks, the old days, fifteen <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you, right. you you wouldn't be making money that way. Well, money management's always the key. You know, you, mm -hmm. can, you can even pro, I know a lot of professional gamblers because I've been around pro betting since the '80s. This is new to a lot of people, but not to me. And most of the sharps, as they call them in Vegas, fifty-three to fifty-five percent is what your professional winning gambler does. But he has to pick. He has to press up on some bets and not bet. You don't bet the same amount every game. But 55% is considered a decent year. And that's really, you got 55%. Yeah. 
you know, you make a living, mm -hmm. but you know, they don't have to call that 800 number, you know? <laughs> right. There you go. Anyway, Rick, I appreciate the time as always. Maybe we'll do it again in a few weeks when the Giants are, are in Landover to, uh, to, to face the commanders. So uh, thanks as always for the time. Giants fans, thank you for listening. Please stay safe out there. Take care of each other and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.